Hi, everyone. Welcome to our session. Uh, today, we're going to talk about the life cycle of scams, innovation, and awareness and technology around the scam life cycle. Uh, but first, we'll introduce the speakers. So do you want to? Sure. Uh, George Abraham. I run the Global Anti-Scam Alliance. We're a non-profit organization, and we try to bring together uh, policymakers from governments, law enforcement, consumer protection organizations, and the commercial sector to share intelligence on online scams targeting consumers, and also define concrete solutions to protect consumers better from scams. Okay. Gabby, a little bit about me. So. Um I sold my company, Observe It. It was an insider threat solution about four years ago. And right after that sale, I became a stay-at-home dad and I had time to spend with my kids. I got really bored and I was talking to them all day long about cybersecurity. <laughs> and you know what I realized? I had three insider threat actors at home. And not only that, school made it worse because they gave them a single password to use across all apps, no multi-factor authentication, and where they're using the same password for all apps at home as well. And that's when I realized, you know, we need to educate the masses. So I started my company, Wiser. The idea was to create TikTok-style videos that will go online and will capture people's attention. Four years later, which is now, we have millions of people that have watched our videos. We have a commercial product for companies that require phishing simulation and employee training. And I honestly feel we just got started. All right, thanks, Gabby. My name is Ayelet Bigger-Levine. Um, I spent the last 15 years creating products and solutions to fight financial fraud, helping financial institutions. So I worked on RSA's adaptive authentication solutions as well as BioCatch. And recently I left and first of all, I have a podcast called Scam Rangers, so shameless plug there. Um, definitely follow it if you haven't. And I'm also a starting company to work on detecting and actually preventing uh, online scams. So we'll talk a lot about scams today and that context. So before we dive into the questions, I just wanted to highlight the size of the problem. And you can see on the slide here, we know that it's a huge problem. It's growing year over year significantly. And the latest report for the Global Anti-Scam Alliance talked about reported scam losses of 53 billion, but we also know that less than 7% of people report. Now, we don't know exactly how many people report, but what we'll do today is also focus on those people who don't report, on people who feel shame. And I think Cecile's presentation this morning was very, very powerful in understanding the psychological effects and the feelings that one goes through while being scammed. So we'll focus on that today. Now, I hope the clicker works. Clicker? Does it work? Can you advance the slide, please? Thanks. Okay, so we'll start by talking about the life cycle of a scam. And we're mapping this out, so we talk about the same activities that happen in the process when someone is being scammed. So the first step is an incoming message or a call, or as Cecile mentioned, search on Tinder, on Facebook, something like that, that triggers a conversation. 
Now, once someone, if, if scammers cast a wide net, when someone responds to the call uh, or the text and, and even answers, then the scammer knows, oh, this is a legitimate number, so we can now contact the scammer, uh, sorry, contact the victim and, and start the scam. Then the victim responds, there's an emotional manipulation that takes place. This emotional manipulation is a critical part of the scam life cycle because this is a make or break for the scammer and if we break the cycle then, then we actually prevent the emotional manipulation from happening. Then once the victim understands or, or is persuaded to transfer money, they transfer the money and it could be, we talked a lot about digital and online and how to catch online, but keep in mind, it could be a cashier's check, it could be a wire transfer in the branch, it could be many, many ways that or many different techniques that they use to, to transfer the money to the, to the scammer, to the cyber criminal. Then the victim may or may not report to authorities, to their bank. Again, not everyone reports. Recovery begins. So in recovery, two things happen. One is the attempt to recover money. And I know that uh, both Alona, who just was on stage here, and counterparts all across the country are looking at how to recover money. And in particular, now with the large amount of uh, financial grooming or pig butchering scams, how to recover crypto. Um, and there are tools to do that. But uh, along with that type of recovery, there are also the recovery scams, which go through the second emotional uh, spin for some scam victims, and that's another critical part of the process. So today we're going to talk about the scam life cycle and what we can do along the way. If you were present in yesterday's conversation about scams, they talked a lot about awareness. So the reason we have Gabi here is because he's very focused on awareness and does it in a very creative way. So Gabi, I want to start and ask you, first of all, who's responsible for awareness when it comes to financial institutions? Which teams, what do they do? Yeah, I would even go back, like, you know, who is, who is responsible to uh, teach online uh, scams for our kids? You know, it's not the school, right? Like, they're not really helping. They're actually, unfortunately, making it even uh, worse. Parents have usually lack of knowledge, and they're also victims themselves. So, like, who is responsible in general to raise awareness? And I think there are two or, or more opportunities. One is organizations that have employees, right? And they can uh, create awareness. But the problem is today that it's mostly compliance driven. So it's been seen as, uh, as a chore. And in reality, it has to be a benefit. Like who doesn't want their kids to be safe online, right? Who doesn't want to learn how to be safe online? So I think that's one opportunity. Uh, turning the tables and making awareness a benefit to the employee and giving them tools they can go home and basically become this you know ambassadors of online safety and that's what we at least do and I think it's a great opportunity the second one is banks you know they are uh, everywhere right the app people have apps that banking apps and it's a great way to push education to uh, end users. Uh, it's an amazing way. Do you want to show an example yeah. of that? So I actually um, created a mock-up. This is not real, but sort of my vision of how it should have been done. Um, so let's play this for a second. So I took just uh, one of the apps, one of the banking apps, and I mocked it up. Can you, can you play the video?
situations when it's best to lie. Your password reset questions. Your first pet, street you grew up on, favorite book. It's easy to find online. Instead of telling the truth, lie. So I picked up the first one and I just felt the back. And if you can see, there's a fake barcode on that. So what happens is the scammers take these empty cards home. You know that code you get to your phone when you get locked out of your account or need to reset a password? Don't share those codes with anyone. And I mean anyone. Your bank calls for the code? Scammers. Your friends on WhatsApp asking for the code? Scammer. Yeah, it's like simple as that. Awareness has to be on the go. It's not a one-time exercise we do in a class or in a webinar that we you know, participated. It has to be with us at the time of the transaction. And in my opinion, you know, banks and uh, financial institutions have an amazing opportunity uh, to push this. I want to ask you a question. Um, do you know who the biggest uh, toy distributor is in the world? Anyone? McDonald's. Yeah, McDonald is the biggest toy distributor. And who can be the biggest distributor of online safety? Banks, you just attach it, attach it to the app. Great, and I think that's one question is, you know, we, we see banks doing campaigns and I think there's some concern about talking about bad things and uh, being out there and talking about bad things with, with our customers. But the reality is I think everyone knows about online scams. So yeah. it's always, we need to turn into a trusted advisor and say, exactly. we know it's happening. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would like to agree with that. Um, I'm from the Netherlands and one of our biggest banks is the ING Bank. Uh, and they have been uh, making their customers aware for, for years that uh, what are the latest tricks, what's the new phishing methodology, uh, methods. And um, I am a customer of the ING Bank, actually I'm a customer of all the three major banks in the Netherlands, but uh, uh, the other banks don't do that. And the ING Bank gives me a, a feeling, hey, they care about it. And um, I think it's a much better answer if a bank helps you become a little bit more tech savvy and scam aware than uh, picking up the phone, oh, sorry to hear that you got scammed. Uh, I mean, then it's too late. Right. So let's continue along the scam life cycle. And actually, I'm going to go, I'm going to jump into, no, you can go back. <laughs> I'm going to jump to the point where the victim transfers money because I think most of the controls today are on the transaction level, right? All of the controls that we have at financial institutions and we know we have a full fraud stack, it's all about detecting fraud, account takeover fraud mostly, new account fraud. And the fundamental question we have been asking ourselves throughout all these years is, are you who you claim to be, right? You're, are you the digital, are you the real person behind the digital identity is, that is currently trying to open an account or transfer the money? And all the tools that we've been using, the authentication and the risk analysis and the behavioral analytics, everything focused on account takeover fraud, new account fraud, synthetic ID fraud, but answering that fundamental question, are you who you claim to be? The, the answer to the question when it comes to authorized fraud, when someone is being scammed and, and a victim of online scams, that's a different question. We have to take different measures to answer that question. And the question is, Yes, it's you. We verified this with our accounting or fraud tools, but are you transferring money with the right intent? Are you doing what you want to do? And do, 
kind of taking responsibility even and, and just hearing Cecile earlier, we need to step up and we need to help because we have the tools and uh, vision of, of a lot of transactions that are happening. And we'll talk about collaboration in a second, but having that visibility and having an understanding of how these scams work really helps us as financial institutions take action and help our customers. And they're expecting that because they don't know that the bank is not liable for authorized payments, but is liable for unauthorized. So when they, when they come and say, listen, we're, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a victim of a scam, they do expect their money back. They don't know the difference yet. And it's the right thing to do, as Ian Mitchell said yesterday, let's not talk about liability, let's talk about the right thing to do because we're all fraud fighters and we're here for a reason. So we need to rethink the problem. Now there are some tools that help us in the, in the transfer phase. For example, we heard about confirmation of PE from the UK, so having visibility into not only who the victim thinks they're transferring money to, but is it really the true recipient? So that requires connecting tools and really confirming that. There is the option of asking questions. Do you really know this person? Why are you transferring the money? Which adds a lot of friction, but can potentially stop. Uh, maybe slowing down payments. Behavioral biometrics is a tool to detect if some, some anomalies are going on, the session's very long, there's an active call happening. All that is good, but the challenge remains because as uh, David mentioned yesterday in the scam uh, um, panel, if you're talking to a bank, impersonation scam, right? And now the bank fraud team is calling you to say you're, you're under a scam, you don't know who to believe. And that goes for every type of scam where someone's manipulating you. They know the fraud controls and they'll tell you a story about the bank. Um, someone shared a story with me who was a fraud fighter that his grandmother was defrauded and, and scammed. And her, the, her, her criminal told her that the bank is in on this big uh, scheme to steal her money. So when the bank will call you, don't believe, don't collaborate with them. Don't, don't, don't believe them. And they make up these stories. So in essence, what we really need to do is stop the scam before it happens earlier in the scam life cycle. So what if we could, instead of breaking the spell, avoid the spell altogether? And if we look at kind of the scam life cycle, there are many unwitting accomplices across the scam life cycle. Those dating sites and um, you know, WhatsApp and social media and SMS, all these channels that allow the scam messages to go through, if we could work together and analyze the messages and understand what looks like a scam, what, what doesn't, that will avoid the emotional trauma and the financial impact that, uh, that victims have today. So I encourage you to really think outside the box and that brings me to um, ask you, Yorig. So the, glo the Global Anti-Scam Alliance uh, recently launched uh, the 10 recommendations to turn the tide on scams. And you're talking about collaboration and data sharing um, and about uh, policy making and many, many things that you want to push across the scam life cycle. And I wanted to ask you if you can share maybe two of these 10 recommendations with us and what financial institutions could take from it. Yeah, happy to do so. Uh, um, it's always difficult to choose because in the end, it's, it's all of them are important. I mean, it has to, uh, as uh, Gabi was already saying, it has to start with awareness. But awareness, we already know it's, it's not enough, as, as you were saying. I mean, uh, one of the recommendations we have is create infrastructural consumer protection. We cannot expect consumers to be aware of everything. And, and the scammers are getting so good 
that it also becomes impossible for them to recognize scams. Um, so we need to protect them on an infrastructural level, uh, meaning monitoring transactions, making sure uh, the, the person is who he is or who he claims to be. But also uh, what they're doing in Belgium, for example, uh, the Belgium Cybersecurity Center opened a, an email address and they receive 30,000 emails every day uh, which are likely to be scams and phishing. They analyze those automatically, and all the bad links are pushed then to the Belgium internet service providers to block them. So in five minutes, they can block a phishing attack. That's what I mean with infrastructural consumer protection is one of the examples. Uh, and another example is what we're currently trying to do with the Global Anti-Scam Alliance, actually also together with the Belgium Cybersecurity Center, is, is building a global database of scammy websites. We already collect more than one million scammy domains every month. Um, and we now have more than 100 partners uh, adding scammy domain names, which are IP infringing, phishing, uh, 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 selling uh, or claiming to be an online store but never delivering. And our next hope is, is to, to uh, I mean, we already provide access to a lot of law enforcement entities, but is to slowly build towards a, a global anti-scam law enforcement entity. Or at least the one where every country has its own anti-scam team and they much more uh, are able to share data. I mean, very honestly, maybe I also should apologize. I mean, I'm from the European Union, and one of our worst export products ever was the GDPR legislation because it has made it very easy for criminals uh, to work uh, on a global scale. And with this International Scam Investigation Network, we really hope to, to counter that. Right, thank you. So maybe we'll ask for one key takeaway. What can the audience do tomorrow morning um, as they go back to work and kind of take away when it comes to scams? One recommendation, real quick. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, with AI, deepfake, all of that, um, this became a pandemic, really. Like, you know, we have to do something about this. Um, it. Op I'm, I'm optimistic in nature. So I think it opens up an opportunity to discuss this at all levels. And we all have to charm in and, and, and do this. You know, There is no single organization out there that will solve the problem. It's about all of us. I, I fully agree. I think we, and that would be my recommendation, uh, please feel free to use our uh, database of scammy domains. Please add to them. The more we share that kind of data, uh, uh, the more we can fight back. And in the end, we will win this battle, but it will take some time. Absolutely. And I encourage you to think about the scam life cycle. Think about how we can prevent scams from happening in the first place. How to be creative about awareness. And if you can go to the next slide, feel free to reach out to us uh, on LinkedIn, via email. Uh, follow us, and we'll, we'll, we're happy to talk more and answer any questions. Now we have a minute left for questions. I don't know that the QR code went up, so if there are any questions from the audience, we'll take one or two. Any questions? So my question is, obviously, custom education is super important. And it appears that you know, about 10% uh, of people actually pay attention to those alerts, and you know, we kind of uh, keep educating them, and they're already in a good place. So, how do you uh, reach out to like 90, 90% uh, of people that really just uh, delete those emails and alerts? Uh, and and you said emails and alerts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's not only, if we're talking about an employee um, uh, environment, it's not only about P 
people not clicking, it's also about people reporting. Because if one person, if those 10% actually report it, and that's something we don't emphasize sometimes enough. We emphasize how many people clicked. And we want to see that drop, which is unrealistic to get to zero. So it's really about resilience and reporting and making it ed educational in terms of what's in it for me. Because like I said, people do care about their personal life. So if you make the training more appealing and you make it about them, the way you behave at home is what, how you behave at work. You carry the same. So it's a security culture. It starts at home and then it migrates to work. And I can also testify that I got the gift card scam from a colleague of mine when I worked at Biocatch. Of course, it wasn't him, but I reported it. And then my whole team got the gift card scam from the CEO this time, but they already knew. They were prepared, so nobody fell for it. But that's the, that culture of awareness and reporting. Any more questions? Okay, great. Uh, so we're happy to connect. We'll be outside later, and thank you all. Thank you very much. Thank you.